The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, I got so excited at a hookworms gig that I climbed on stage, offered them an interview, and they accepted. In Singles Club, we've got remixes of Dirty Projectors and Haim, plus the latest from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. And I get some quality time in the studio with Charlie XCX. That's all here on Music Weekly from The Guardian. All the way from the second floor of this glorious building, we have Tim Jones. Hello, Tim. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? I am great. Um, what has been going on in the world of music? Well, I'm not too sure because I've been away doing Yeah Yeah Yeahs in New oh. York, which okay. was very... well. It wasn't very glamorous at all, but it, it was. Was it thing. not? No, not really. Didn't you get to hang out somewhere like amazing with the AAOs? I uh, got to sit in a bar with them for an hour. Nice bar? Yeah. Posh bar? Uh, it had a gin tonic. Uh, <laughs> did you make friends with Karen O? She was very nice. I imagine she'd be quite a good friend to have, wouldn't you? What's she like? <laughs> very large She's head, very nice. <laughs> Excellent. She's got a very nice, endearing laugh. Has she? Yes, very mm. nice. She laughs a lot. Excellent. She's quite open when you ask questions, yeah. Very friendly. The O is for open. The O is for open. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving swiftly on, I mean, this is all obviously piping hot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> news. Karen O is quite open. I don't want to spoil my you no, know, of course, legendary No, 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 let's not let light in on the magic. Um, let us... Uh, what other music news has happened this week? Something must have happened this uh, week. Justin Bieber's been given four weeks to deal with his monkey. That's the best headline oh, I've yeah. ever had to... Is this a metaphorical monkey? Is this a monkey on his back? Or is no, this a... Uh, a euphemism. He actually has a monkey. He took a monkey on a plane. He didn't have documentation. He got busted. Monkey got... Monkey got busted for monkey. In Germany, his monkey got taken off him, put into customs, and he's been given four weeks to get it back. Otherwise, it's going to be put into care. Really? Yeah, and, he, and Bieber's gone. He's he just off. left it. He's just left it. Oh, He's off man. touring. He doesn't give a shit, does he? He doesn't care less about his monkey. He's just has Bieber got a big monkey or... Well, It'd be amazing if it was a it's... massive gorilla. Got a plane. It's like, what was that? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's good that Justin Bieber's sort of going, lo- you know, losing his mind in public. Well, <laughs> good for Well, him. not good. I mean, not, I mean, you know, I don't rejoice. I say. Yeah. The breakdown and the backlash has begun, hasn't it? It his, is amazing. But I think, you know, get him in the studio quick. Get Justin Bieber to make his version of, you know. His sort of damaged masterpiece. Yes. Justin Bieber's yeah. version of the Madcap Laughs. By exactly. Bieber. Put him in the studio and say, you have creative freedom. Just yeah. to, this is your time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Um, what else? Anything else? Um, I know it's bit, uh, Rick Ross uh, did a uh, rape lyric. Whenever the, the trouble I have with Rick Ross, I mean, this is obviously a serious story. We'll the boss Rick minute, Ross. Um, is that whenever someone says Rick Ross, I get a mental picture in my head of Paul Ross, Jonathan Ross's brother. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and like, wow, Rick Ross is revealed to have been like a prison guard. Really? <laughs> Poor Ross has. Um, so he's done a rape lyric. Oh dear, has it really? Yeah, it was, well, it was about drugging and raping girls specifically. Okay. Wow. Uh, and there was a huge backlash on Twitter and, and now he's talking to his label. And he, I think it's with Adidas or Reebok that he has a sponsorship deal and now they're looking to drop him, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, keep these people in line. Keep Paul Ross in line. Yes, um, exactly. Does it make it harder to be that kind of gangster rapper these days? Um, you know, when his whole thing is about being like, you know, yeah. as obnoxious as yeah. possible. And then, but now you get get called up on stuff, which I'm not saying is wrong, but it's just yeah. you know the whole character he's trying to create. Yeah, it's but hard, I think I think when you rape has always you. been a little bit of a grey area, though. I think like drugs and sex and general. <laughs> 
decadence is one thing. But I, I think, think that can you just? I, I agree. I think I think there is a line that's there been is. That's, I think that's different. I think there. it's always been. Hasn't um, it? I think so. Although I also I don't know. I've heard plenty of lyrics that kind of don't really shy away from that. Maybe it's because he's more mainstream now and he has yeah. a younger female audience, particularly. Um, you know, and, and that must have something to do with it. Whereas maybe before it was the preserve of older teenagers or older kind of mid to late 20s and 30s and now the demographic's younger and younger. Imagine if Twitter had been around in the era of NWA. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be absolutely remarkable. Nothing, not, not a word would have come out of those people's mouths without somebody getting, getting furiously angry about it. They'd be like the, uh, the James Dellingpole of <laughs> rap. Um, let's get ready to rumble. I got asked, I got rung up on... Um, Sunday night, uh, will I go on the BBC and talk about PJ and Duncan getting to number one? <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. And I thought, well, no, because I, can't, I don't know what to say about it. I don't know what that means. What does that signify? Does it signify anything? People on Twitter going, oh, this is the end of that. There's always people on Twitter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they oh, say you that know, I, spill, I spilled some tea on my desk. It's the end of the world, you know. <laughs> I have no words. Um, <laughs> I'd say uh, it literally means nothing, really. I mean, it's just... I thought this was a backlash against House because I thought it was going to be that <laughs> <laughs> that Duke Dumont song. Which one song? The Need You 100 percent one with with a, with AME. Oh, Duke, Duke Dumont. Yeah, Duke Dumont. Um, I'm confident to suggest that the people going out there by and uh, ready to rumble aren't making a kind of protest against yeah. House. God damn this deep house! <laughs> I'm I'm buying. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? That's a, yeah, definitely. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I agree. I think PJ and Duncan are the figureheads. <laughs> Ant and Deck are the figureheads of a massive movement against house disclosure <laughs> and house music generally. How bizarre. Well, there you go. Julian Cope, no less, has described Hookworms as... Well, he described their debut EP, I should say, as an epic 26 minutes of sub-Zabrasky Point ambient road movie heat haze on the road, sonic wipeout of the post-loop variety. He praised the drone head guitars, which he can think he thought were designed to plateau, then rise, then plateau, then rise on and on and fucking on. <laughs> he also described them as the shoegazing Leonard Skinnerd. I don't know if I'd agree with any of that, but I saw uh, Hookworms live earlier this week at the um, Green Door store in Brighton. And it was genuinely one of the best gigs I've seen in a very, very, very long time. It's incredibly potent, incredibly powerful, very, very loud, very noisy, very emotionally wrenching. It was like having the top of your brain ripped off. And I was so overcome at the end of the gig uh, that I sort of climbed on the stage. I hasten to think they stopped playing by this point. People <laughs> were leaving. I didn't disrupt the set in any way. And Did you um, shut it off? When you push you, an oggy, oggy, oggy. Very nice of you. Waved a guardian over my head and uh, suggested they might like to come in and do an interview for the podcast. Uh, they agreed, and when they came in, this is what they had to say. My name's Sam, and I play guitar in a band called Hookworms. Uh, my name's Matthew. I play keyboard and sing in a band called Hookworms. Tell us a little bit 
Well, give us a little a potted history of the band, how it came about. Uh, we've been together about three years. Three years ish, yeah. Um, three of us used to play in a hardcore band together, kind of like late 80s, um, like Rites of Spring, something mm-hmm. like that. When that kind of ended, we started doing this instead. It was just meant to be a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. So how did you arrive at the sound, do you think, that you've got? Because, I mean, it's an incredibly... Um, a, how would you describe it to somebody who'd never heard it? You know, I've had no practice whatsoever. Even people ask me, what does your band sound like? I always shun the question, so I'm not very well rehearsed. And so, <laughs> but I guess... Uh, the war pedal helped, didn't it? Definitely, I, yeah, I that bought, pulled it together. I bought a war pedal at a house party for a tenor um, from a guy who, at the, the same house party, borrowed a Twin Peaks box set off Matthew, who plays bass. Mm-hmm. Um, he's never got the Twin Peaks box set back. So if you can leave that bit in. That's cool. You might hear it, yeah. I would like that back. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of changed everything, didn't it? When, when we, were, we were practicing for a little bit without the wah pedal, mm-hmm. we actually recorded a demo without the stuff that we have now, mm-hmm. and we scrapped it and right. started again, and what we recorded then became our first 12-inch. Also, you, as well as the guitar, you use, I, I couldn't help noticing, a keyboard through a vast array of what looked like uh, guitar pedals. Yeah, the talent. Yeah, I call it the talent table, because I just <laughs> turn them all on, and it makes it sound like I know what I'm doing. Right, but yeah, right. I split the signal, and it goes into um, a couple of different places. Like to How in control of what you're doing are you? Because I noticed when I saw you on Monday night that a lot of the time you didn't really appear to be playing the keyboard so much as, as, as kind of... I mean, though I do, I, I must point out, um, for the benefit of listeners, that when I went to see you on, on uh, Monday night, two of your guitarists were actually in the audience. Yeah. And I was a bit taken aback. I, I was stood watching you going, this guy is the most incredible keyboard. That sounds like a guitar solo, and he's not even touching the keyboard. <laughs> and not realising that the, 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 this gentleman here was actually in the audience playing his heart out. How in, going back to the original question, how in control of the sound are you, and how much of it is it sort of playing itself? It's about half and half unrehearsed. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm always playing the keyboard. I'll be playing like the root notes. A lot, a lot of what we do because it's repetition, especially the rhythm section. Pretty much play the same thing all the way through our songs. Yeah. And then that's kind of how we write them as well. Then I'll take them back to the studio and cut them up. And a lot of the dynamics and the aesthetics of the song are built around the song that I'll add on top with the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And then there are also drones that are going on underneath everything we do, right. which is how it sounds so loud, I guess. Yeah. to watch I mean it was properly like having somebody rip the top of my head off watching it what it's like for you taking part in it I can only begin to I'm hearing you speaking but I can't hear any of the S's at all really (laughs) (laughs) is it are you complete is it just day after day complete deafening I feel like I feel like when I when I'm listening to other people playing loud music it hurts but it never hurts when I'm in front of my own speaker cabinet with my ear next to it trying to hear it I don't know what it is. It feels like but because you know I'm involved in it, don't you? Yeah, that, that my no, body no just says, "Okay, we're going to put some natural earplugs in." Is it quite a common state of affairs for you to stand in the middle of the audience and play? Yeah, absolutely. It's Do, my favourite place. Really? Is it definitely, seriously? Definitely. Just it's just much more involved, and 
Do you know a band called Oxes? I mean, not because uh, mm-hmm. of a musical level, but they used to stand on pedestals. Right. It's like the opposite of that. Right. You know, that, <laughs> that you've got to you've got to like lift yourself up and be rock stars. But isn't isn't it sort of problematic if you're surrounded by a, 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 a quite lively yeah, crowd? Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, you get jostled or, or an idiot or I was going to say, yeah, does that happen yeah. a lot? Somebody to get beer on your pedals. Yeah. Or, Absolutely, there's a lot. Of, there's about 200 quid on the floor in the crowd. I think Jeez. get a little nervous. <laughs> or you get those people that um, just won't move. You know, they, they, they're just like, no, I, I'm I'm at the front of this crowd. I've stood here for the last 10 minutes. I'm not moving for nothing. Like, <laughs> not. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, it's you describe your sound as psychedelic. How do you define psychedelia? What is it to you? To me, I guess it's escapism in a way. Um, I'm very much influenced more by 60s psychedelia, so the Nuggets and Pebbles mm-hmm. comps, things yeah. like that. Less so by modern psychedelia. There's certain bands that I can identify with, like bands like Tame Impala, who mm-hmm. obviously I, I enjoy their music, but I think that's more because they're influenced by the same things that I am, mm-hmm. rather than any kind of modern take. I, I don't. I don't think if we picked between us five bands that we all like, any of us would pick a psych band particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, would pick more noise rock bands or kind of art rock bands or mm-hmm. hardcore or something like that. And I really like um, 20th century minimalism as well, like Steve Reich. And I guess we take that more and apply it. And the same with like in hardcore and applying the kind of the intensity mm-hmm. to it. Um, <laughs> tell me a bit about the vocals because there's, there's a sort of certainly live and to a certain extent on record as well. There's uh, an amazing disconnect between you. I mean, you're really going for it when you're singing. I mean, it's an incredibly sort of passionate, quite moving thing to see. And yet, what's coming out is totally incomprehensible. I mean, you yeah. can't understand a word of it. It's smothered in echo. It's smothered in distortion. Um, is that a deliberate thing? You want to sort of short circuit people in that way? Uh, it originally started because it was kind of like a comfort blanket. Um, and it became more and more. I got I, originally I was singing just through some terrible little guitar pedal, mm-hmm. and then I got a space like a real space echo, like an old like dub tape delay. And um, you start to learn the kind of limitations of the machine. And you learn when it's going to distort and how mm-hmm. you can play it. And I treat <clears> it more as an instrument rather than a than as, as it being a rock band sure. with a vocal on top. Mm-hmm. And we kind of mix the records like that as well. Mm-hmm. Though the vocals are a little bit more upfront in the record because. There's this weird disparity between me spending ages, months writing lyrics, and then realizing no one can hear what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the way it's taken off there does seem to be a lovely natural kind of progression in terms of you know how big you're getting and people's response to the music it's, re- it's really nice when when 
I've, I've seen friends in other bands and through my day job as well working as a recording engineer you see bands get picked up really quick mm-hmm. make an average record and get dumped just as quick and then they're really jaded mm-hmm. and I didn't really want that to happen to us because I enjoy playing music with everyone have bigger labels made overtures towards you mm-hmm. really yeah and you have turned them down yeah why definitely in the last couple before the album came out we just we weren't really interested in it we've all got jobs that we're fairly we're fairly comfortable with our lives how they are yeah um we don't have any interest in being kind of aspirational rock musicians we're happy to i mean two of us work in schools so we can only, we, we can only tour in holidays we're right. just not really that interested in it we play music because we enjoy it and i think people say that a lot and so it's going to sound cliche for mm. me to say it but it, it is genuine but people on major labels tend to say that a lot or people who are you know and there's actually you know there's kind of a debate going around at the moment where people go oh you know it's very difficult to live if you're in a band and there's part of me thinks yeah that's true and there's part of me thinking when did this become a sort of deal of being in a band where did this become part of well I'm going to form a band and then I'll be able to get a deposit for a mortgage I don't Mm. think this was uppermost in Iggy Pop's mind with the best one in the world when he thought you know what I mean and I think there's something nice about doing it in a kind of totally pure way which is you know you're doing it entirely yeah. in your own terms. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. My granddad was from a generation much longer ago, and he's a performer. And the word gig used to mean job. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was yeah. there was no separation between the two things. And you know, a gig for us is like, what what even do you say? A party? I don't know. <laughs> Both of our grandparents. Your granddad was like a. Be- performer wasn't like music hall kind of thing was it yeah, yeah. And yeah what sort of thing did he do it's one of those things where um it just seems so strange to us now but he was a really big performer who did um whistling and yodeling wow <laughs> that's amazing yeah. imagine that being your thing i can whistle and I'm, it, but exactly. i'm really good at it that's that's fantastic. yeah really really well, did, he have a, did he have a name did he have a special was, he called himself ronnie ronald it was the stage name wow yeah And, and you said my, your granddad... Yeah, my granddad was a professional musician. He played bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said exactly what you said. He, told, he when, he, when I speak to him on the phone now, he's got, you got any good gigs coming up? And I know that he means, like, work. Yeah, yeah, Cause, yeah. Because in his mind, he doesn't really understand what I do either with my studio. And so I, I, he came to my studio about a year ago and he was quite impressed and surprised. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he thought I was actually doing every day. But he thinks that when I say, oh, yeah, I'm going on tour, I'm playing seven days in a row, he thinks, oh, well, cool. He, he actually said to me last time, oh, you'll be getting that car soon then, won't you? Like, that's, <laughs> like, that's like a level for him, I think. <laughs> and what sort of, what, when you say he's a bass player, what kind of bands was he in? Um, it was swing, jazz. Right, OK. Right, 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 right. What's next? Are you, what, what are you planning to do after this tour finishes? Um, make another record. Absolutely. That's about it. Are you chock full of ideas for another record? Is it, is it hard um, to write when you're on tour, is it? It's really weird how we write together. We'll yeah. just we'll just practice. We'll get together and play, and because we're fortunate enough that I've got my own studio, we can record sure. our practices, and then I tend to go and deconstruct that and create a song out of what we've done. Mm-hmm. And we've got a seven-inch coming out on Two Pure at the end of May. Um, we're going to master that tomorrow. Actually, that would be nice. And um, twelve, we did a session for WFMU, the New York station. And that's coming out as a 12-inch sometime in summer, I think. 
Excellent. That was Hookworms, their album Pearl Mystic is out now. Let's open up Singles Club. Tim, your track first. That was your new friend. My new friend. The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Yeah. Um, and Under the Earth, that's the first single from their forthcoming. Uh, no, the first single was Sacrilege. That Has that already been and gone, though? Yes. This is just uh, one of the tracks. This is a teaser. Okay, a teaser track. Fine. What do you like about it? Uh, well, the whole album is just pretty weird. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, Sacrilege sounds like a Yeah, Yeah song with a gospel choir, and you think, well, you know, that's not mm. too strange. But everything else, I mean, if you'd notice, it's quite a dub Kind of dub yeah, reggae, yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't have a sort of sound, to it, and yeah. that happens on a lot of tracks, like four or okay. five kind of dub reggae tracks. <laughs> it didn't sound like dub reggae; it sounds like a yeah, yeah song. But if you actually listen to the the kind of sure, the, the sure, sounds sure. Used, the, the way in which it's produced, yeah, is, which is, I guess has a lot to do with David Sitek who produced it. Um, mm. I mean, the rest of the album is like this song with based on the sub, subway tracks, like it okay. basically sampled, and there's Doctor Ochagun's on one track. It's, it's just—is it good? I mean, so this is uh, because their last album, it's Blitz. Yeah. Struck me as a fairly concerted lunge like for the pop mainstream effort. Yeah. pop effort. You know, I mean, and I was of the opinion that Zero, the first single of that, was going to yeah. be the record that really broke the AAAs. Well, it did do really well. That's number forty. What's that? That's number forty. No, but the album did quite well. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, right, it right. wasn't like a huge hit, but it did. It sold well, mm. and yeah, I mean, Karen was talking about it, saying it was a cold album and quite clinical. What it's I, Blitz? What? Yeah, which okay. I actually thought it wasn't. No, I thought it was some really like moving ballads and really kind of on the on the money pop songs. This, yeah, I mean, I did listen to the album and think, well, you know, what are people going to make of this? Because, mm. you know, there's some pretty kind of weird, far out stuff on there. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, this is just a good example of the, of the weirdness t- to find on there, I guess. I really liked it. I am of the opinion that this year has already seen more interesting records released. You know, it's April and there's already been more interesting records released this year than there was last year. Um, yeah. And I am sort of quite booked by the idea of a band like the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's um, on their fourth album. Fourth, it is album, their fourth yeah. album, isn't it? Well, one thing that struck me is it's not very often you hear an album and think, well, that doesn't really sound like anything else. Yeah. They're very good at taking quite weird influences. I, you wouldn't have said this about them at the start, but no. they take influences and they really do manage to blend them in quite seamlessly. Mm. Which, you know, when I heard that James Murphy had done a track and kind of Dr. Octagon was on it, I was mm-hmm. thinking, how the hell is that going to? Turn out it's going to be awful, but it sounds really good. So 
I also really like her voice, just full stop. Yeah. I think she's got a really good voice, Karen O. Kieran. Yeah, I really like her as a front woman. I think that she has that kind of ability to be quite a commanding presence, but also sometimes quite unassuming, which is, I think, is how yeah. she comes across on this track. I mean, I think that her vocal is really difficult to ignore, but... Uh, at the same time, it's it's quite smooth and it doesn't really dominate it in a sort of in a difficult way, which I like. Which I like, but I don't know so much about the AES. I always think of them as like a mainstream punk art type collective. I don't really. That's what they started as, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not too familiar, but what always draws me to them is is her vocals. So. Excellent. Like um, well, it's, it's three thumbs up for Under the Earth from the, by the AES. Uh, their forthcoming album is called What Mosquito. Mosquito. It's got terrible cover. Did you mention this? Did you say, why have you put such a revolting cover on your album? Well, they said that a lot of their fans have uh, come around to it. <laughs> and there, there was a piece... You would say that, what is the you? cover? There was a piece, I'm not sure where it appeared, but were basically top designers were analysing it and saying, actually, yes. it was very clever what they've done with the light and all this yeah. stuff. Good, good for the AAS and the <laughs> horrible album cover. Um, let's move on to Kieran's Choice. <laughs> That's Falling by Haim, remixed by Psychomagic. Uh, is it what you pronounce the E in Psychomagic? Is it Psychomagic? Or I always Psychomagic? say Psychomagic. Psychomagic. Um, who are a sort of renowned, you know, kind of new disco, edity yes. kind of... You know, a brilliant uh, re-edit of um, Fleetwood Mac a couple of years ago. Um, I have to say, I prefer that to anything else I've heard by Haim. I think that's better than any record, actual records by Haim. Me too. Um, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good. Um, yeah, so... Tom and Danny, also known as Psych Magic, are a kind of UK duo who do that, like disco and psych remixes of various tracks. They do, yeah, like you said, they're everywhere. everywhere Fleetwood Mac track mm. was really good, and they've done Azarian Third, and you know, ver- yeah. various like, big things, which is really good. But they they did this um, by Haim. Heim. Heim, by Heim. Heim. Um, who Sorry. I kind of like, but basically are like my idea of hell in that. <laughs> you know, just, I kind of like them, but they're my idea of hell. Like girls with guitars. Like, I would never go and see that, I don't think. Right, and right, right, right. I think right. that, you know, during that time when everyone was like, oh, hi, Heim, it was like Savages, Palmer Violets, mm-hmm. Heim. It was like that whole thing. And I was like, no, that's not for me. But then um, I heard that track Forever and I quite liked it. thought it was, you know, it was okay. And then I heard this remix and I think that it's really injected a bit of life into the original track, which is slightly more brooding, but still kind of upbeat. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice. It gives it a little I bit of character, doesn't it? I always find that the descriptions of Haim and this uh, seems to happen to me a lot the older I get and maybe it's just a function of being a grumpy middle-aged man. Uh, I, I read the descriptions of it and then I hear the music. Oh, nothing like that. <laughs> Or it says it's Fleetwood Mac meets Fleetwood Mac meets R and B, which obviously sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, like on on Vogue. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> well, Fleetwood Mac meets on Vogue. How brilliant would that be? Fleetwood Mac meets R Kelly. That's sort of like that would be that would be like the best music ever made. And 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 Haim Haim rather aren't aren't um doesn't seem to be like that. I mean it's perfectly good. I mean it's perfectly all right, but it just always well, seems to be a lot more is promised on their behalf. I think than they they deliver. I get quite annoyed by anything described as being like Fleetwood Mac because yeah. I think it's very easy to sound yes. superficially like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. 
but yeah. quite hard to actually replicate the kind of yeah. very if, subtle If you magic. had a quid for every press release you get sent. Oh, code. God, yeah. It invokes Tusk by Fleetwood Mac, yeah. and it's like, it's basically some sort of, you know, jangly indie record. Exactly. Like, this is not and what you, Tusk you by Fleetwood Mac God knows like. how you replicate what Fleetwood Mac actually did, because it was so special and subtle. And, and, but, um, Loads of coke. I think Fallen mm. is Heim's best song by mm. some margin, but the original, it feels like it's produced all wrong. Like, it mm. feels like it's a really kind of, it's got a great melody and they don't really make the most of it and it's a bit hazy and laid back when it could be a bit more immediate. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this makes it any more immediate, but I do think it takes that side of it mm-hmm. and turns it into a, a better version. <laughs> I preferred the... What was the other remix? Was it Duke Dumont? Did the, yeah. He did the remix of this track as well and I actually thought that was even better because that actually did make it a bit more... Mm. In- was it more doof? Yes. <laughs> Not massively, but it just had a bit more... Doof. It took the, it was better at taking the melody and actually saying, "Look, here's a good yeah, yeah, song." Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. I like that, but but I feel like this was almost a bit gentler. It's got that kind of more glittery synth yeah. thing both rather different than things being too like um, bassy. Both probably better than the original. Yeah, but there's say. no shame in that. I keep saying <laughs> this. I, I said this to Andy Weatherall when he came in. But actually, if you're in a band and you're getting these remixes done, and they're better. They are empirically better than the music. Why not do what Primal Scream did? Why does no? Why has nobody else done this? Why is no one? Oh, so that's what Friendly Fire should have done with their first album. With all the remixes of the tracks of the first Friendly Fire album were better than the originals. I think it? you need mm. a manifesto. You know how Bobby Gillespie like, well, we're just going to mm. be like Parliament and have all these different mm. producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he was so into it, and he knew and. And I think you have to be, have that confidence to sell totally it. Rock and roll. Whereas, yeah, exactly. If you just Pure turn up and, and get a load of dance music like remixes, it just looks like. Mm. Unless you've got, unless you can sell it, yeah. And, and also that, what Screamer Delicate did was came out at a certain time where it, you know, it was there for the culture that was going mm. around. Whereas if Heim did it now, and it'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? I guess so. Yeah, I think if somebody, I think if so, I think you could make a statement as a band, and just do that. I think I think you know I certainly think it's it's not beyond the wit of man. Um. But it's more a question of of ego, isn't it? Yeah. Like what you were saying, yeah. because when Jessie Ware did her remix EP. Uh, last year, you know, f- at first it was like, oh, is that a bit embarrassing because all the remixes of your tracks are better than your mm. originals? But then, if you really embrace it, it's like, oh no, actually, you know, they've given you something better. And if you if you can kind of take that without seeing it as if 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 a negative. Florence can get away with just having a Calvin Harris record and it being Florence <laughs> versus Calvin Harris or whatever mm-hmm. in a battle to the death, um, then I just don't see why other people can't do it. But this is this is tangential. I just think you need the band to be able to get behind it. Yeah, no, no, no. I absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't have. It doesn't have to be like. It would not have to be a sort of half-assed gesture. You yeah. have to go. No, this is what we're doing. This is how it's. You know. Yeah. It's mm. done. And if, um, but if they're not, if they're not kind of immersed in dance culture or mm. whatever, and they brought out an album of remixes, it'd be quite a hard sell because it just looked like they'd put out some kind of remix record that they didn't really know. No, no, I agree. I completely agree. But I still think it's. I don't understand why Screaming Delica is a solitary example of a band. <laughs> I really don't. Because but if it's you're like it's a, a good band, then you're just making yourself accessible. So then, when they when you do lend yourself to a different audience, that it should be it should be okay, shouldn't it? it should be able to just mm. be enjoyed. Well, I mean, they're obviously fans. they must be into it because they're putting them all out. But I guess it does come back to ego. They want to. That's how they wrote the songs, and that's yeah. how they. Mm. It would be hard to give your babies away. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Well, come on, the bands. That's yeah. what I was like. Come on, <laughs> the bands. Music Weekly is throwing down the gauntlet. Will any of you pick it up? Imagine what terrible records. If, if, if anyone <laughs> took up this challenge, imagine what. <laughs> <laughs> that Tame Falling, the Psychomagic remix, which I expect is on SoundCloud, is it, Kieran? Yes. Excellent, excellent. We will end with something also on SoundCloud. This is my choice. To the guys who act so nice.
I know it's not a competition, but I have totally won singles club. That is, that's the best record we've had this week. No. Um, that's the Joe Goddard remix of uh, The Socialites by Dirty Projectors. They're putting a remix EP out of tracks uh, from their album, the last Dirty Projectors album, which came out last year. Um, I think that's just brilliant. Um, I think Joe Goddard is is uh, complete, appears to be just a sort of total genius on a complete role, continues making brilliant records left, right and centre, whether it's Two Bears or, uh, you know, with that Valentina uh, lady with Valentina Valeria, what was she called? That did that sort of folky, that brilliant folk of Gabriel. Come on, people, help me out here. Come on. Well, the best singles of like the year before last, Gabriel, Gabriel by Joe Goddard. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, and uh, with Hot Chip, um, he makes amazing records as well. Um, I think that's a brilliant sort of recontextualization of what the Dirty Projectors do. I think it makes you realise how good the vocals on Dirty Projectors records are, which can sometimes. I think A, get a bit lost in the sheer density of sound that goes on on a Dirty Projectors record, and B, there's that kind of thing that, that, that I find off-putting about the Dirty Projectors. Their music is very heavily theorised, and it's always like, well, I've, I'd spent you know, years studying whatever, plain song or something like that in order to write the harmonies for this album, and you think, oh, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, the results are really strong, and um, the other thing about it is I think it's quite an emotional tug to this remix, um, which again can get a bit lost on Dirty Projectors records, which sometimes feel like a sort of like sort of genre exercises or kind of intellectual exercise. I don't actually think that was true of their last album, um, but I think it can be true yeah. of what they do. Um, it can seem a little bit harried for its own good, a bit sort of Frank Zapperish. <gasps> yeah. So um, yeah, but I think it, I just think it's a really good remix. Um, well, their last album was my album of last year. It's a brilliant. Absolutely brilliant love it. Yeah, I liked it. And this was one of my favourite songs, and her vocals are so soulful on mm. it. And I thought what was amazing about this, actually, because I also picked this for my record until I realised you'd got in there before me. Um, It's basically just isolated completely different bits from the original. Mm. So the hook in the original is no longer the bit that stands out. And the bridge they've used as kind of the big hands in the air moment where the synths come. Mm. Uh, And it isolates that oh baby, which you don't really Mm. even notice and turns into a kind of, you know, a little recurring motif. I I just think it's quite clever to listen to something and think I'm, so pick constituent bits. Yeah, I think that yes. works on a dance track rather than a lot of remixes, which are just the song with you know, even yeah. even the Heim one, which was great, but it was basically the song, wasn't yeah. it? With yeah, I think it's a, yeah, it's a proper remix. It's a, it's your actual kind of remix, and also it will work equally well uh, for listening at home or on the dance floor. <laughs> I think you know, in the, it's, it's not a pure club track where you put yeah. it on. And you think, oh God, give me it's, a It's day. been properly deconstructed. It's, it's been properly thought about, you mm-hmm. know, um, and and that's that's a good thing, Kieran. Yeah, I I love Amber Kaufman. I think she's great. My, my one of my favourite uh, tracks of last year was um, her and Major Lazer, mm-hmm. Get Free. Um, and I just, yeah, I think that she has all those kind of soulful echoes while also being a little bit shrill at times. And, you know, a little, you know, she's not always so palatable, but I think it works well here. And she's done a few dance remixes and her voice lends herself quite well to that sound. Um, but yeah, this I thought this was really good. The way that it kind of it really like rises and falls with you and it doesn't need that kind of huge bass drop or kind of massive bass injections it has got that synthy build up and it works really nicely and it feels quite gentle no absolutely yeah i just i think it's really really good um i wait to hear what the other three remixes on a single like this is the only one they've put out thus far uh but you can find it on soundcloud and um yeah that just about wraps up um singles club kieran yes tell us about charlie xcx 
Charlie XCX, also known as Charlie Aitchison, is a 20-year-old singer-songwriter who was one of The Guardian's one to watch earlier in the year, in January. Um, and she's since... And nevertheless, got... her career is continuing. Yes, <laughs> Despite exactly. That, despite that dreadful <laughs> setback. Yeah. Um, her and Laura Mvula were on the ones to watch, and Alina George, and they've all done really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, good, good picks. Um, but she's since gone on to play South by Southwest, collaborate with Iconopop, and is currently touring with Marina in the Diamonds. So we got her in to talk about her new album, True Romance. Welcome to the studio, Charlie. Hi, Hello. thanks for having me. <laughs> You're, are you fresh from South by Southwest? Yeah, kind of, like a week ago, I guess. South by was like crazy. I did 10 shows and... 10? Yeah, and like lots of press. What, in different venues? Yeah, it was pretty intense. It was really good, though. So you, were you playing stuff from the album and EP and back stuff? Or? Yeah, the record, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but you were, I mean, you were on the... Guardian's one to watch list earlier, yes. earlier in the year and since then you've done and when I mean you're doing like huge tours yeah. you collaborated with Iconopop and now you've got your album out so yeah. it's been it's been nice it's only April I know it's a lot right yeah I'm gonna I've, I kind of want to finish like the second album by the end of this year as well but I basically just want to I don't want to stop this year I feel like it's taking me so long to write this record I was gonna say I mean there's, there's been quite a a long yeah. wait between kind of your EPs and the album. Yeah, out. totally. And and I think especially with with I Love It going out, I'm like seeing Iconopop like on like every TV show and like I'm hearing their song everywhere and I'm like, I wanna promote my record now. <laughs> like, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I wanna go and promote true romance. I had first heard you as a guest vocalist on Starkey's track, Lost mm-hmm. in Space. And that was years ago now. And yeah. I think even at that time when I was going to Forward or when I was hearing you in clubs, I mean, I, it was, you know, you're doing a lot of guest vocal stuff, yeah. a lot of dance tracks, um, and you're kind of quite entrenched in club culture, mm-hmm. certainly. And then I, I guess you were quiet for a while, then you had lots of EPs, lots of output, and now you're here. So it's been quite a long journey. And yeah. You've been around for a while, haven't you? Totally. I think I've just been kind of just like discovering who I was as a person and I think that's the reason that album's taken me so long to be honest because like starting I kind of started when I was like 14 with people putting stuff online and people recognising my music and and I wasn't really thinking about it then I was just doing it and it was just kind of happening and you know, I think I got to the age of like 17 and was like, I have no idea who I am and I have no idea what kind of music I want to make. I'm just kind of mindlessly making stuff mm. and like seeing what flies. And I didn't really enjoy the process. It wasn't really, you know, it just wasn't good. I, I still don't think I was making good music either. 
And then I wrote Stay Away on a trip to, a writing trip to LA with this guy, Ariel Rechlade. And I feel like then everything kind of like came together and I began to kind of understand the journey. And I think, yeah, so th- that's why I've taken like a long time with True Romance, because I wanted to get it right. Obviously, it's a mm-hmm. debut album. Who wants to have a crap debut album? No one. And I really feel like confident with this record that it's 100% me and it's like who I am as a person and there are songs that are from like different aspects of you know like different angles of my mind like me as a 15 year old and then there's like me as a 20 year old but I quite like how you have that I mean yeah. I, I've had the record and I think it's really good I'm, I'm a big Woo, fan um, I think it's really strong I think you have those pop sensibilities but there's definitely those shades of kind of dance culture and maybe teenage angst yeah, and, totally. and I think that you're you know I think you're very much like in on the joke of being like okay so I might have write this when I was like teenage and angsty but actually there is quite a, I don't know quite a serious melancholia to some of the songs yeah I mean, and an also love songs right and also like yeah I mean they're all love songs apart from one which is about taking ecstasy but every other song is about love and there's lots of romance. love involved in that Charlie pardon there's lots of love involved in taking ecstasy oh right I know <laughs> especially the day after um no uh you know I'm not like trying to fool anyone I've written a pop album and I've always wanted to write a pop album because I love pop music and I think pop music is great when done really well and I think mm-hmm. that's what I've done on this record um who are some pop people that you're loving at the moment right now yeah well I've always loved Rihanna because I think she gets good songs mm-hmm. you know like I've I worked with Justin Parker um who wrote Stay with Mickey Echo um who I'm also a really big fan of and I I heard that song before she sung it I heard it when Mickey was singing it I was like wow this is amazing this is so cool and then like a couple of months later I heard Rihanna singing it I was like oh my god Rihanna's like the best she gets like the best songs you know <laughs> so I, I like Rihanna like I was and I was listening to her, so- her record on the plane mm-hmm. and like that song that she does with Chris Brown yep which I can't remember what it's called, but the one where it's like, let's make out in this Lexus. I was like, whoa, this song is so good. Like, if I just forget that he's all the the drama, like, it's actually a really cool song. I was like, whoa. Um, So, yeah, I like her and, you know. Is that that kind of part of your, what underpins you as an artist, that you want to separate your real life from the farce and the aesthetic or how much of the album is you because when I've met you before or from from you know what you can find from you URL on the internet it's very you know it's very kind of like you know Tumblr you've been described as Tumblr wave it's very aesthetic based it's quite ephemeral but actually on the album it's quite a a hard-hitting like deep emotional invitation into your well yeah inner thoughts right yeah soul maybe totally and like I feel I feel like, yes, I do have a Tumblr. I don't know if that makes me a certain kind of person, you know, because I have a Tumblr, does that make me, like... And because I enjoy Tumblr without, like, going into the depths and mm-hmm. darks... Like, I don't think Tumblr's serious, mm-hmm. you know? I just do genuinely like seeing pictures of, like, you know, Britney Spears with, like, crosses over her eyes. I mm-hmm. like that. I don't know why I like that. That's why I left art school, because... I couldn't be bothered to explore why I liked that stuff. I just know I like it. But that doesn't mean that my record sounds like that because I'm also massively inspired by Bjork. Like, Bjork makes me cry. When I listen to Bjork, I Mm. cry. Like, Kate Bush, I'm also massively inspired by her. Like, Robert Smith is, like, a hero of mine, you know. And 
I still post pictures of all of those guys on Tumblr, but does because I do that, does that dumb it down? I don't know. I don't care. Like the reason that I feel an affiliation with the internet and blog culture, mm-hmm. Tumblr, whatever, is because that's kind of where I came from in the sense that when I was younger, those were where I kind of got my gigs, like mm-hmm. through MySpace back in the day. Mm-hmm. And like, that's where I was getting my press. Like that's Were there any the, artists or producers that were in your top eight? Yeah, but they were all like from the scene, the East London scene, you <laughs> know. Your neighbours. But I think I think Alex Metric was in my top eight oh, okay. at one point. But then I think I like moved but I like bumped him down when we had an argument or something. <laughs> and he never made it back up there. Um um, I know we were talking about Bieber's inevitable breakdown earlier, um, and he must also feel this, but you're 20, so presumably a lot of your fans are older than you. And so there must be something strange about having, like, even, you know, sort of people my age, like 25, 26, 27, you know, there's still crowds that are older than you. Is that I don't weird? Know. Or? I don't know. I don't... For me, I don't know. I don't, I don't find that, that weird. Like, my boyfriend's 31, so I don't feel like... Mm-hmm alienated from his people you know I feel like there's like there's an assumption that maybe you'd be writing your experience to people that are your own age who can identify oh right, right but right, the right. fact that you're kind of writing in people that are much older can identify well, with your experience that's a good song because mm-hmm. it's universal universal mm-hmm. hey yeah I don't care who I'm playing to like I just like playing I don't care if it's a full room I don't care if there's 10 people there I'll still make it an amazing experience yeah I have like I'll do I'll make an amazing experience for whoever's there it'll be like individually crafted for that specific gig you know That was Kieran talking to Charlie XCX. Her new album, True Romance, is scheduled for release on April 15th. That is it for this week. Uh, Tim, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Pleasure, as always. Um, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash musicweekly for more info on the show, links to the singles club tracks, and of course to have your say about any or all of the issues raised in this programme. We, Kieran, will be back next week, will we not? Yep. Fantastic. Um, see you then, folks. Bye-bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.